They may be called the next generation, but they're the church of today. Reach, disciple, and mobilize students to share the hope of the gospel. This is Next Gen On Mission with Shane Pruitt. Hi friends, Shane Pruitt here. Thank you for taking the time to hang out with us once again on the Next Gen On Mission podcast. I am so excited about this episode. We have a great brother in the ministry, Robbie Gallaty, and we're going to be talking about Next Gen and discipleship. Robbie is the senior pastor of Long Hollow in Tennessee. He's an author, traveling communicator, preacher of the gospel, uh, founder of Replicate Ministries, husband, father. We could go on and on and on. But Robbie Gowdy, welcome to the Next Gen on Mission podcast. Man, it's so good to be here. Good to be with you too, brother. Absolutely. Hey, and one thing I probably left out is uh, the guy who probably has the biggest biceps in the entire Southern Baptist Convention. <laughs> There's not much competition, so let's be let's be honest. Huh? <laughs> no offense, but... Yeah, man. You know, I'm a I'm a big guy. I'm not muscular, but I'm a big guy. And when I'm standing next to you, I just feel so small. You know, I do. Oh man, oh man. Hey, hey. Well, Robbie, before we get too spiritual, man, tell us one fun fact about you that we may not already know. Um, when I was 16 years old, waiting for a parade in New Orleans, uh, I was on Decatur street, wasting time. I walked into a magic shop, kind of a guy who did card tricks and kind of laughed at this guy behind the counter. And then he singled me out, did a trick for me. And that was it, man. I was hooked. And he just moved from Vegas to New Orleans and he made a deal with me. He said, if you drive me around, I don't have a car. He said, you drive me around. I'll teach you everything I know. And so from 16, even till now, I do card tricks, illusions. And uh, so, yeah, I, I love doing cards and magic tricks. I had no idea. <laughs> Robbie, hey, yeah. hey, bet. Next time I'm around you, I want you to do something, man. I want you to show me something. I will do it. You said my, my favorite uh, performance was when I was in a house with Jim Putman, um, Robert Coleman, Bobby Harrington, and Jeff Vanderslelt. And I'm doing magic tricks for Bob, uh, Robert Coleman, the author of the, the Master Plan of Evangelism. Yeah, of course. Oh, <laughs> and man. you should have seen Dr. Coleman's face. He didn't know he didn't know whether to run or laugh. I was laughing at his expression every time I would do a trick. That's amazing. <laughs> so, well, I can't wait. Hey, and also yeah. another fun thing you shared with me. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago over Twitter, where me, you, and a group of guys were talking about our favorite basketball players, as you talked about, you had every inch of your room covered in Jordan posters, right? That was pretty cool. Oh, man. It was uh, it was an OCD obsession back then, man. I had Wheaties with the Wheaties still in the box posted to the wall. I had gummy bears boxes pinned to the wall. I cut the tongues off every old Jordan I had. And I had posters from ceiling to floor, man. It was a it was an obsession with Jordan for a while. Every basketball card, I was all into it. Awesome, man. Wanna be like Mike. Wanna be like Mike. Yeah. <laughs> hey, well oh, yeah. Hey, always open the podcast by asking this same question. It's always fun to hear the responses. What do we need to know about the next generation? I would say what we need to know in the area that I'm passionate about, particularly discipleship, is that Students can make disciples, and I think so often in the church we underestimate uh, students in the area of discipleship. So what we what we do is we hold back from them, 
because we think they're not ready to go deeper. You know, when I, when I first started preaching, uh, I was a new preacher. I didn't have a dad that was a pastor. I'd never really been in church growing up. And so I started preaching and my mentor was David Platt. So you can imagine what that was like. David and I would kind of parse and, and exegete these deep theological truths so that when I went to preach, I would preach, you know, on justification and sanctification and re- using words like repentance. And I had a guy come up to me one time early on in the ministry and he's like, Hey man, he's like, man, I know you're new to this preaching thing for students. He said, but uh, you have to dumb down the message. He's like, these students can't handle these deep theological terms you're talking about. You need to dumb down and water down the message for them. And I didn't know much back then, but if I would meet that guy today, I would say to him, with all due respect, I think you're wrong. Mm -hmm. In fact, I think we shouldn't dumb down the message. We should raise the bar for students. Why? Because when you raise the bar of expectation, they rise to the occasion. And I find so often in the church, we're trying to make it simple and easy, and students are wanting to be challenged and pushed. So my, my thing with the next generation is they are dying to be discipled. They're dying for someone to live in community. Now, they, they may not seek it out because they don't know what they're missing. But when they engage in a discipling relationship with men with men and women with women, it is life-changing for them. And we've seen a lot of success and a lot of response from our students here at Long Hollow. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. You know, I found the, the, the most hungry for doctrine and theology and to for you to be honest and raw with them are students and young adults. I agree with that 100%. Hey, Robbie, you have a very, um, man, just a powerful testimony. Would you just briefly, real briefly, just kind of give us the 10,000-foot view of your testimony, your story, because it's so powerful. Yeah, uh, the short yeah, the short version is I was raised Roman Catholic. I was a casual. Uh, I mean, I went every Sunday, but I, I didn't know anything about the Lord. I got a scholarship to play basketball at a Southern Baptist college. So I go there as a Roman Catholic on a Southern Baptist college, and I'm the target of every evangelism class on campus. And, uh, you know, they're trying to <laughs> convert me, and I'm like a deer in the headlights. And uh, I heard the gospel in, in my second year there, rejected the gospel, but I would remember those sown seeds in my life, and God would bring those to fruition seven years later. I uh, got out of college. I started to do MMA fighting. I was a bouncer at a bar uh, downtown New Orleans. I was a uh, bartender came home from work one day, November 22nd, 1999. And this is the day my whole life shifted. An 18 wheeler came across two lanes of traffic, sandwiched my car into the guardrail. Uh, I herniated two discs in my neck, two discs in my back. I went to the doctor and they sent me home with four things back then. I was 22 years old and people listening, you know, people, we know family members like this. They're drug addicts because of an accident, you know, as the result yeah. of being in pain. And so I, I went home. I was was 22 years old. I went home with Oxycontin, Valium, Soma, and Percocet, which is a combination of pain pills and muscle relaxers. And I started to take them every four to six hours for pain. And you know how the story kind of plays out. I was addicted to drugs within two, three months, and uh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't work. I couldn't make money. I just wanted to get high. And so. Long story short, over the next three years, I robbed my own family for $15,000. I lived without gas, electricity, and water for about two and a half months. Went to two rehab treatments. Finally, at the end of this, uh, I remembered 
November 12, 2002, I remembered what a guy in college told me about Christ seven years before. And I was in my room. I, I got on my knees and I cried out to the Lord and I said, God, if you're real, I'll, I'll surrender my life to you. And I promise I'll, I'll go all in and really serve you the rest of my life. And I had this radical Paul-like conversion. Uh, Shane, it was so radical. The day God saved me, I knew I was going into the ministry. Wow. Now, I didn't know anything. I didn't know how to read the Bible. I didn't know how to memorize scripture. I didn't know how to pray. And so for the next eight months, I kind of wandered in the Christian life. Uh, I was at church one Sunday, Edgewater Baptist Church. Jim Shaddix was my pastor mm-hmm. and a little known uh, seminary student uh, who looked about 15 at the time by the name of David Platt he came across one Sunday and He's like, hey, man, you want to meet once a week to study the Bible, memorize scripture and pray? I said, David, I'd love to. He said, pray about it. I said, I already have. When do we meet? And for the next two uh, years, we met every week, twice a week. David uh, baptized me, stood at my wedding. He took me on my first mission trip. He taught me how to preach. He gave me a passion for the nation. So anyway, I saw that to say, I'm the product of discipleship. And I always wonder, you know, how different would my life be if I wasn't discipled by David? And I know for sure I wouldn't be talking to you right now. My life would have gone in a different direction. And the question I always ask people is, how different would your life be mm-hmm. if someone would have discipled you? Or the bigger question is, how different would the lives of the students we minister be if we would take discipleship seriously? And I think they would be exponentially different. Yeah, absolutely. And man, Robbie, that leads us to such a great, great point of how the Lord used David in your life. What would you tell maybe the next gen leader, the pastor that's listening or the student pastor that's listening, that's never been discipled themselves? Um, And I know you run across this all the time. I'm always so amazed by how many that are in ministry that says, you know what, I've never been personally one-on-one discipled myself. So maybe for the next gen leader, pastor, student pastor, college pastor, that's trying to navigate how to disciple others, but never been discipled themselves. What advice would you give them? Yeah, I've, I've, I've run in kind of an unofficial research study on this. I don't know exactly the number, but I would say when we ask people to raise hands, and we do this often at different events we do, I would say about 60% of those listening who are in ministry would say, I never had the privilege of being discipled. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have a dilemma there because if we want to, if we want discipleship to go to the pews and it's now bypassing the pulpit or the platform because the pastor hasn't been discipled, there can be a little bit of a problem there. But what I found is this, it doesn't preclude you from making disciples. If you haven't been discipled, it just makes it a little harder. I get that, but you still can make disciples. So what I would say is anybody can make disciples. Uh, you just have to find a process or a system. One of the reasons we started our ministry replicate years ago was to do that very thing. We realized that a lot of pastors wanted to make disciples. They knew what discipleship was. They just didn't know how to do it. So what I found is if you have a simple, reproducible process for the church, and this is what we wanted to do is how do you do this in the local church? We found that it was simple for people to do. So here's what I tell people. Discipleship is simply this. And this is the definition we came up with. But discipleship is equipping believers, and the key word there is believers, with the Word of God through accountable relationships. That's what sets discipleship apart from life groups or Bible study or even worship gatherings. 
through accountable relationships, empowered by the Holy Spirit in order to, and this is the key, in order to replicate faithful followers of Christ. I tell people the discipleship process in your life is never complete until the mentee becomes a mentor. Mm. You see it? Until the player becomes a coach. If you're just if you're just investing in people or, or teaching people and they become just cisterns of truth and they never move to become channels of blessing for other people, then you're not doing Second Timothy two two, wow. which is entrust wow. faithful men who are able to teach others also. Yeah. We have a lot of people who are good at lecturing. We have a lot of people speaking to rows, but Jesus made disciples in circles. Wow. He made disciples looking face to face not front to back like we do in many circles today. That is so rich. That's so good. So, Robbie, let me ask you about this because I've heard people refer to you, and I'm sure you've heard it yourself. Uh, Robbie Gowdy, that's the discipleship guy. Uh, people have referred to me, oh, Shane, that's the that's the evangelism guy or, or, you know, who I work with, Johnny Hunt. That's the evangelism guy. You know, would you share about how evangelism and discipleship work together? Because people try to always put them against each other or separate them. Would you share about how they work together? Yeah, I appreciate you asking that. So the funny thing about me is I wrote my dissertation on the evangelistic invitation, which I think is comical because I always get, like people are always saying, you're the the discipleship guide. But at, at, at conception of my ministry, and even still today, I have always been passionate about evangelism. Of I, I thought I would be a full-time itinerant evangelist. Um, I'm still passionate about leading people to Christ. In fact, I just set up a Zoom call today with a guy from France who I'm going to share. I shared the gospel with on a, on a teaching time recently to a group of businessmen, and he emailed me back and said, hey, do you have time to un- explain what you talked about knowing God? I was telling the group, I said, one of the things we're learning about in this pandemic is we're learning, how, we're learning about the sovereignty of God. And what I told my wife, I was telling my wife at lunch what I was going to talk to this group about. And she said to me, she said, uh, you, you know the sovereignty of God. What are you talking about? You know this. I said, yeah, babe, but here's the difference. A lot of people know the sovereignty of God intellectually, and a lot of people can understand it theologically. Mm-hmm. But what we're learning through this time as Christians is the sovereignty of God experientially. Yep. And there's a difference between knowing about something and knowing, and, and, I, and I tell you, that's a big discipleship principle, because I think what's happened, and we'll get off track, but I'll just share this. This is fresh. I've just been thinking about this. No, I, love I think so many people look at Jesus like a guy who has multiple PhDs who came to earth to lecture to the people. Okay, so in a sense, when, when Jesus sits down, it's like, okay, tell us about who God is, and Jesus lectures, or tell us about uh, how do we have eternal life? And then he lectures to people. But that's not who Jesus is. In fact, if Jesus was only about information, I tell people this, what he would have done when he got to earth is he would have taken the disciples, lined them up in rows. They would have walked forward. He would have put his hands on their head, zapped them with knowledge, boom. Mm-hmm. And he would have said, no, all truth. And then the next guy, Peter, come on up. Let me zap you. You know, John, yep. come on up. And that's how we in Western America look at Christianity. It's learning a bunch of information. Go to the Master Jesus to teach us. Now, that's not how Jesus made disciples. In fact, if discipleship was not important, Jesus could have gone to the cross at 12 in the temple, Mm. blasphemed according to the rulers. They would have sent him to the cross. He would have died, rose from the dead. He'd still be God. 
But here's the point I want people to get, and this is the apologetic for discipleship, I think. This is the greatest case. Jesus's life was just as important as Jesus's death. And some people miss that because if discipleship yep. was not important, why in the world did he spend three years with the guys? They weren't there to learn from a guy who had multiple PhDs who could explain every different part of theology and parse Greek and Hebrew. Work. No, Jesus knew and he taught them that discipleship's learned by being with people. And so what I tell people is, so I learned that personally, just being with people and spending time, and it takes time to make disciples. So back to the point, you know, people always say, well, you know, you're always talking about discipleship and you're not really talking about evangelism. And the reason is, I think for so long in the church, we have spent a lot of our time, and I think you would agree, teaching people what they're saved from, mm-hmm. but we haven't spent much time teaching people what they're saved for. Completely. And could it be that the reason we're not seeing discipleship is because we taught people how to share their faith? Don't miss it. But we haven't shown them how to share their lives. Mm-hmm. And that's a big difference, right? And so, yes, we praise God when somebody crosses the threshold of faith. We praise God when a person surrenders to Christ and praise God when they get baptized. But baptism is never the finish line, as we always say. Baptism is the starting line. That's where the hard work begins. That's where the ministry starts for the pastor. So I know people always say I'm a big discipleship guy, but if you don't have evangelism, you can't make disciples. And the way I liken it too is like a boat. Yep. If you get in a boat and you have one oar, you continue to row in circles. And I think in the church for years, we have rung the bell for evangelism and we've gotten ourselves in the position we're in. Now, don't let us swing the pendulum so far to the other side that we are so passionate about making disciples that we neglect evangelism because then at that point we still row with one oar. That's right. You've got to have two oars in the boat. So evangelism leads a person to a decision or a crisis of faith where you make a decision for Christ. Discipleship is what takes them from that place into the image of Christ. That is so good. I'm over here writing and typing as fast as I can. I got a lot of Robbie Gowdy tweets now, man. Oh, man. Nailed it. Thank you, brother. Hey, let me ask you this. Hey, for the young adult, the college student, the teenager that's listening and saying, I want to be discipled, um, but they're not in that discipleship relationship currently, uh, what should their next step be? Yeah, a couple of things. Number one is this. We, we've we created, years ago, I created something called a HEAR journal, H-E-A-R. It's an acronym mm-hmm. uh, I developed where you, you highlight a verse, you explain a verse, you apply a verse, and you respond. I would say every teenager needs to be a disciple. Every student needs to be a disciple before you can ever make disciples. So I would say, number one is, you should have a a regular diet of reading the Bible. You should be getting, as we say, get into the Word until the Word gets into you. Jesus was the walking Word. He not only preached the Word, He embodied the Word. So we want to get into the Word. LifeWay produced many studies. Barna just produced one. Discipleship.org came out with one. They all say the same thing. The number one spiritual discipline, Shane, and you know this, the number one spiritual discipline that is head and shoulders above every other spiritual discipline in the world. Like if you're going to pick one out of the plethora of options, if you're going to pick one, you pick Bible engagement. Mm-hmm. Now that's different than Bible reading. A lot of people read the Bible and you check boxes. 
Yep. The HEAR journal allows you to read and engage and apply the text to your life. And I'm sure we can give links to that. We have it on our replicate. You can go to replicate.org and you can search the HEAR journal. It's all free. You can find it online. But that's a way students can, one, be a disciple. The second thing I would say is you need to go seek out someone who will invest in you. And you'll be surprised if you go ask a pastor or a leader in your church or a deacon or a life group teacher, and you just say, hey, God's put it on my heart that I want to grow in my Christian life. Would you invest in me? You'll be surprised how many people are waiting either to be asked or people you may ask to be discipled by you or invested in by you. And so I would just say, take the initiative and take the first step. You can really do that. One of the most overlooked spiritual disciplines, I think, is scripture memory. Uh, I was just at the conference this past year, if you remember, and I quoted Romans 1 and 8. And the reason I did that was is I wanted to show people the importance of scripture memory. David Platt taught me this years ago, and it has been so impactful in my own life. So I would say, get in a group, read the Bible daily, and develop a healthy, robust scripture memory platform or, or process to hide the word in your heart. That is so good and super practical. And listeners, we're going to put the link of the Here Journal in the show notes. You'll be able to find that. Um, Dave, uh, Robbie, in, in closing, we always close with the same omission charge. The heart behind this podcast is to see the next generation realize that they are the now generation, not just the future of the church, but they're also the church right now. They have a calling on their life now to be a disciple now, make disciples now, be on mission now. Would you give us one closing thought on that? Yeah, I would say, man, trying to think of something relevant in my own life now. I would say what the Lord is showing me is... um, If you want to experience the presence of God, you have to learn how to be present with God. Mm -hmm. And this is something God's really teaching me because so often, and I think that's what this crisis has taught all of us. You know, the Lord showed me, you know, you don't need to be as busy as you thought you should, and you don't need to travel as much as you you, you used to, and you don't need to be as always, you know, always on the go as you're used to that you need to learn how to be before you do. And I would just say some of the greatest people used through history, even some of the biblical uh, accounts we read, they learned the secret of being before doing. One of the things about ministry for God, and whether you're full-time or whether you're part-time or whether you're a, a Christian, I mean, every Christian's in ministry, every disciple is called the ministry, is that ministry is always received, not achieved. Mm-hmm. Meaning. When you wait upon, there's a lot of passages you can read this, wait upon the Lord, be still and know that I'm God. We're, we're not good at that. We're good at doing and know that I'm God, accomplishing and knowing that I'm God, checking boxes and knowing that. So I would just say to you, if you really want to experience the presence of God, start to be more present with God and really wait upon the Lord to hear the voice of God. The Lord showed me this, and I'll leave you with this. Activity is the enemy of intimacy. Wow. This is so good because, man, the Lord yeah. really brought me brought me to the mat on this because I'm good at activity, but the Lord showed me. And this is what I mean. When you're doing your quiet time, when you're praying, when you're, when you're spending time memorizing the Word, you're not trying to, and this is big, you're not trying to get something from God as much as you are trying to be with God. 
You're just trying to be with him and enjoy his presence. And I think if you do that, God begins to open up doors in the future to serve him that you could never open up yourself. That is so rich. And that's, it's funny, Pastor, that you're talking about that because that's exactly what the Lord has been teaching me. My wife and I just had this conversation about last night. Just the Lord is really teaching me what it means to abide. I mean, that's the word he's just giving mm-hmm. me. This, abide, Come on. Abide. Yeah. Because I, I, I preach on it, but I ain't good at living it. You know what I mean? And so just Come abide, yeah. abide. So, Pastor Robbie, uh, tell us uh, about your new book. Yeah, we, uh, I, I co-wrote a book with uh, Chris Swain. Chris was the director of our ministry, Replicate. We just finished the book. Uh, it's, uh, it's out now. It's called Replicate. It's uh, actually a comprehensive how-to strategy, basically a process for how to do this in the local church. It's basically how to make disciples right where you are. And so the book's called Replicate, and it's for people in ministry and then people who are just disciples wanting to be better at making disciples. So uh, it's called Replicate, yeah. I love it. Robbie, thank you so much. Man, this has been so good. Absolutely wonderful. How can people follow you on social media, connect with you online? Yeah, you can uh, follow us. You can follow me online, rgality. This my first initial of my name, rgality, on Twitter and Instagram, and then I have a podcast called Making Disciples. You can tune into that as well. Uh, that's another way. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. This has been so good. And friends, thank you for spending time with us and listening to the Next Gen on Mission podcast. If you have questions on reaching the next generation, please email us at evangelism at nam.net. That's N-A-M-B dot net. And we'll try to address those on a future podcast. Also, Robbie's new book. We are going to give that away. So the first 100 listeners that listen to this podcast and email us said, hey, I want that new Robbie Gowdy book. We are going to provide that for you uh, on behalf of NAM and send that to you. So the first 100 listeners that listen to this, email us at evangelism at NAM.net. We will be sure to get Robbie's new book in your hands. Thank you so much for your time. Have a great rest of your day and tell somebody about Jesus.